I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Francesca Apostolou. Francesca is from Westchester County, New York. I don't know why I have a hard time pronouncing that, but I always have. Uh, she lives there with her husband and, and two children. Um, Francesca, you've been a school teacher for, for 22 years. That's great. Um, and you've been investing in real estate since 2002. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I would love it if you would kind of um, let the listeners kind of know a little bit about your background, you know, obviously as a, as a teacher and then moving into, into real estate investing. Um, just give us a little bit of your story, if you would. Yeah, so um, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, so yeah, I've been a teacher for 22 years. I'll be starting my 23rd year coming up actually tomorrow um, is our first day back. Um, and I have been investing in real estate since 2002 uh, with my husband, James. Um, our first, uh, if you want to call it investment, was our single family home that we bought. We bought the ugly house on the block. Um, and so we rehabbed it and we um, created equity in the home. And so we were able to utilize our single family home to um, create, to, to purchase a property, which became... Uh, a rental property for us, but at first it was our uh, vacation home in Florida. Uh, and then later on, it became a rental property. And uh, from there on, we were able to create passive income from this rental property. So uh, that's how we got started in real estate. Um, also a little bit about myself, um, before I even went to college for teaching, um, I got my real estate license as well. And I was doing some rentals um, during college, while I was in college. So I was um, in the rental division of one of my local brokerages in the area. So, so I've always had a hand in real estate. Um, I've always loved it. And uh, I, I finally got a proof of concept once we purchased our, you wanna say our mistake uh, in Florida and it um, paid off. So, so we got to recognize what it was to have a single family home and leverage that home um, because equity does happen in real estate. So how we're able to leverage that to um, pay for our place in Florida. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's a, it's a great strategy that is probably underutilized. Uh, I think people, you know, a lot of people have a lot of equity in their home, especially if they've owned it for a long time and don't necessarily put that equity to work. It's kind of, I think people are, you know, I don't know, maybe they think that I'm just going to keep paying down my mortgage. And then someday when I retire, I can live off the house or something like that. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what the, what the theory is. I, I, and it's a theory I probably had at one time, but realizing that, you know, you can use that equity to your advantage in the meantime to, to actually sort of build more income streams and to, to build more equity in other properties. So 
what uh, what sort of brought you to that realization? Like, I, I guess maybe as a realtor, you had some um, ex, you know exposure to that sort of thinking, but I feel like so many people don't think of that. So, what what kind of brought you around to thinking, hey, let's let's sort of make this make our house work for us? Yeah. So um, what happened was uh, when we purchased um, our property, um, it was uh, back in 2007. And when we in, in Florida and so that property uh, we got for about six and a half percent. We bought that property. The mortgage rate was six and a half percent. So that's this is a little backstory. So in order for us to create cash flow from that property, um, if we all know what happened in 2008, the, the mortgage crisis happened and, and things started to um, crash. And so with that, the mortgage rates went down. So that was the silver lining in all of this because um, we were able to leverage our home to pay off the property in Florida and go from six and a half percent to three and a half percent. And um, at that point, that's when we decided let's rent it and it was cash flowing from there on out. So um, that's where we saw the power of real estate was um, through our, through equity happening. First of all, through buying the ugly house on the block, creating equity, paying off the loan as the years went on and how equity did, um, it did, did occur within those years and how we were able to leverage our home to um, help us with this place we, we bought in Florida during the heights of the market uh, in yeah. Florida. So, yeah, <laughs> purchased during the height of the market right before the market sort of crashed. Tanked. Yeah. Uh, and, but I think that's a really good point in the sense that, okay, you, you, you leveraged your house. Some people might think that that's scary, unwise, whatever, you know, what we were just saying, like, not a lot more people could do that. And they don't, people yeah. might think that's a scary thing to do. Uh, you bought something at the height of the real estate, you know, sort of wind up, and then it crashed right after. And guess what? it still worked out for you. It sure did. Right? Like it, it sure did. All of the bad, like the worst mortgage or the worst real estate crash in history basically happened to you and you still were able to make it work with real estate. And, and that's a really, really strong illustration of, of the power of real estate, right? It's like here you were hit with this, you know, potentially devastating thing, but you were able to actually make it work in your favor. That's right. That's right. And um, that's a great point because, um, you know, everyone needs a place to live. And so, uh, you know, you will always be, if, if you could make it cash flow. So, so let me just back up. We learned a lot of lessons from it. So it was actually something that um, I think in, in our life and in our, in our, what brought us to this point now, we learned so many lessons that yes, you can take a bad situation and make it a good situation. Um, and real estate is always gonna be there. It's not going away and people always need a place to live. Um, and just as you could see during the crash, you know, the government came in and they had to save the mortgage, um, the mortgages and the banks. So what they do, they, they, they lowered interest rates, right? So there's always going to be something that's going to, pull you through. You just have to be creative on finding that way to help you. Um, so yeah, I do think that some people might think it's scary to leverage their home, but it was the right thing to do at that time because the interest rate was so high that if we were able to lower it, 
uh, 3%, I mean, that made a huge difference, huge yeah. difference. Yeah, I'm sure it did. Do, do you still own the house in, in no, Florida? Uh, no, we just sold it. Okay. Yeah. Recently? Yeah. Uh, yeah, like a couple months ago. Okay. So I, I guess that still sort of makes my point in the sense that I'm sure that you made money on that house when you sold it. That yeah. it, it had increased. And despite going through this crash, you just held on and you you generated cash throw, cash flow throughout. And then you were able to sell it with with more equity and uh, you know sort of value at at that point. I'm assuming it's just again all of these are are really good lessons for people about essentially you know sort of the, the safety of real estate. That it's mm -hmm. like pe people think it's scary and risky and all of that, and it's like you ended up with two homes that had equity and <laughs> one of which is cash flowing, one of which you're living in, and it's kind of like those those are there's no bad there and you went through this this you went through a, a a mortgage crisis you went through a pandemic i mean you managed to kind of go through all that stuff and still you know sort of the real estate carries you through right because you still have you know that it's not like i i don't i don't always know what people's fears are but it's not like sure natural disasters happen but like your house isn't likely to just disappear that's right. right. You buy real estate. It's not just going to go away. Right? right. And even if that happens, you have insurance. Right. So it's just it's all about sort of being prepared and planning. And, and, and as you mentioned, you know, sort of being creative. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think I heard you use the word your your mistake on the on the house in Florida. Why do you why do you say that? Well, I think um, because I, I don't know if it was, I mean, I think a lot of people didn't recognize or see what was going to happen, was going to happen um, the following year, because a lot of people uh, were backing out, yep. you know, and so I don't think we, we saw it and a lot of people didn't see it. So it was, we were blindsided. So I don't know if it was a mistake, but it was definitely a lesson. Right. It was a lesson. Right. And so we, we took away a lot of lessons from it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure at the time, probably initially it felt like a mistake you're like oh mm -hmm. we just <laughs> here yeah. we just bought this extra house and now the market crashed but but again it, it just you know you 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 made the most of it you you did something smart and then uh you know sort of turned it into a into a positive so i, I think that's that's really key and and a, a really great lesson for for other people thinking about getting into real estate it's like there's so many there's so many different ways to become involved in investing in real estate, whether that's you know buying a second home and, and uh, using it as an Airbnb, as well as your vacation house or or whatever, it doesn't it doesn't matter because virtually all the strategies work as long as you do them you know sort of smartly. Okay. Um, and so, since then, what uh, what have you done? Uh, you know, in terms of real estate, after getting this this house in Florida, have you sort of continued to build your portfolio? Um, what are you guys doing to kind of continue to ride that wave? Yeah, so uh, the last couple of years, uh, we've been educating ourselves on multifamily investing. Um, so like you said, you know, you really need to have the knowledge. So at the time, we were just buying a single family place to, to vacation. So that you know, that was just something you did residential. That wasn't something that you kind of thought about or educated yourself on. Um, but now with multifamily, we uh, decided we were going to take um, the commercial route and educate ourselves on that. 
So, uh, so that's what we have been doing. And so the last um, year, uh, we, we have closed on a JV uh, property in North Carolina, which is a 34 unit. Um, and we LP'd in some deals and um, also GP'd in another deal. So, so we have our hand in different things. It's just like we got, we got into the LP position to see what it was like to be on the passive side. You know, we got in the GP position to see what it's like on the active side and also some JV as well to be on the active side. So we both know what it's to be passive investor and an active investor. So, um, so that's what we've been up to and we're continuing to look for more properties. Uh, and, um, and hopefully, you know, more will come down the pipe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they will. Um, so that, that's, I mean, again, speaking to that sort of, there are so many different ways you can be involved in real estate, right? So you, you know, you went from sort of that residential side and started to think about multifamily commercial real estate and, you know, sort of trying the different ways as, as a limited partner, as a general partner and seeing, and I, I don't know, you could tell me if you disagree, but I feel like that sort of joint venture type of thing is almost like a combination of the two, you know, whereas you have a, a little bit of, you can, I feel like with a lot of joint ventures, you can be as active as you want to be depending on who your other partners are, right? So you, some people might want to do the management side of it. Some people might want, you know, to kind of just see what's happening. So, cause I, I, I've done the same thing, been involved in some, in some joint ventures and it's it, usually someone is still, maybe driving the bus like right. in a, in a uh, syndication, but it's not quite as complicated, not quite as many people usually. Right, exactly, yes. Have you have you figured out what you like best yet? Have you, <laughs> you um, still trying yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. so, so, I mean, I, I like being passive, I do, it's great. Uh, just getting mailbox money or ACH money is what they call it, right into the bank. I mean, it's it's right. nice, right? Not having to worry about anything and just doing it that way. But um, I also like being active because um, I want to be able to create uh, generational and a legacy, generational wealth and a legacy for my family as well. So, um, so I do like the active part also. Um, the the LP part definitely gave me a uh, education too to learn about what it is to be a passive investor. Um, and it gave me a proof of concept of what that that whole, um, I've not, I, which I've never knew before, what, what a syndication is and the proof of concept of a syndication um, when you're with the right group and the right sponsor. Right. Yeah. And that's a great point. It, it make, makes a big difference. If, you, if you're, your experience in those different roles will be, could be drastically different based mm -hmm. on sort of who you, who you partner with. So that's as a really great point that it's that's as big a part of the education as just kind of learning what syndication is right sort of figuring out okay the the actual process it's not there's a lot of steps and components to it but as a process it's not that hard to understand right it's not you're not doing something that uh, it's not complex physics or anything it's it's like this is how it works there's there's sort of a a recipe to it and then but th there's a bad chef can mess up the recipe, I guess is probably the best yeah, way, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. It's just, if you have someone who's, who's sort of in charge that isn't, isn't managing it well, then, then even a, even a good deal could potentially go bad. And if you have a good manager, maybe a mediocre deal goes well. So it, it, it definitely, 
there are some nuances I think that that impact it. So that's really cool that you know sort of it kind of dipped into each different component and figured out you know what. Well, maybe maybe you're still figuring out what you like, and maybe talk a little bit about you know kind of there are pros and cons to each, right? So so for someone listening that maybe doesn't really understand the difference between limited partner and general partner, you know, kind of what, what would you tell them to help describe that? Um, so yeah, so a limited partner, uh, you are basically investing with a sponsor who has a deal. Um, they've done all the work. They found the deal. They uh, went through the, the mortgage process. Um, and you're basically investing with this person. Um, for return on your investment. So it could be, you know, a 7% preferred return and 8% preferred return on your investment. Um, and, but with that, you're not doing anything. You have to do nothing. I mean, it's just basically, uh, it depends on how the deal is structured. Uh, it could be monthly cash flow that you're getting, or it could be uh, quarterly. So it all depends. Uh, in our case, it's monthly. So it's nice because you're able to set, you're able to um, say, okay, I'm going to use it for this, you know, so it's that, like, your assets pay for your liabilities type of thing, um, and so uh, it's great, it's great to know that that's coming in every month, but even when it's quarterly, it's fine too, you could figure that out quarterly, um, so that was, uh, that's part of the limited part, you do nothing, but they say collect mailbox money, and it's true, so I have proof of concept of that, um, and then there's the active part where you are, you're on the manager's calls. You're, you know, you're trying to figure things out with your partners. Um, you're maybe calling vendors to, you know, find out cheaper prices, or you're managing the manager to see if they're giving you the right prices. You call in vendors, you know, to find out what the prices are in the area. So there's a lot more active going on. Um, it takes up more time. Um, and, you know, someone that maybe has a career that they don't have an, an, enough time for it, um, it's it's takes up time. So if you're like real estate, you know, the limited partner part is great. Um, but if you want to be get your hands dirty and deal with managers, or maybe even doing it yourself, where you're managing yourself and dealing with tenants and toilets, then you could do that as well. Um, so that, that's the difference. It's like being hands on versus being hands off. Yeah, so. yeah. It, it that's that's a really good uh, description. It, it is. It, the limited partners, your one job is to essentially do your due diligence on the sponsor, really, right? You know, the, the deal and, and whoever's going to be managing the deal. When it comes to the other side as a general partner, you probably more than one person, you'll each have some roles in terms of managing that that asset. So yeah, uh, that, was, that was a good sort of rundown. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. um, do you, are, are you focused, uh, I know you said Southeast, are you sort of sticking in that area? Uh, yeah, we'd like to be in the Southeast um, for our active investing. Um, we're in North Carolina right now, so we'd like to stick within the Carolinas. Uh, we were looking also in Huntsville, Alabama, so if something does come up there, uh, we do love that market as well. Um, but if we could expand in the Carolinas uh, at this point, we, we'd love that. So yeah. that's where we're really focusing and honing in on since we have the one property there um we're honing in on that area yeah yeah it's a good idea get you know really get to know your market and and become an expert in that area so it makes total sense um well that's great uh francesca th there are 
sort of a, a handful of questions that I like to ask everybody. So maybe um, we can switch gears a little bit and talk about those. I think uh, that'll be a fun conversation. So the first is really just in relation to the, the name of the podcast, it's Know Your Why. So can you, can you tell us what, what's your why? What, what drives you in, in, you know, in uh, furthering your success? Yeah, so my why is to empower my children and others on financial education and financial freedom. So um, when I say financial freedom, um, I, I come from I, I come from a family that is uh, immigrants from Italy, um, and so when my parents came here, they came here with a dream, and they came here and they worked really hard. And they worked hard, not just with one job, they had multiple jobs. So they understood that um, they needed multiple streams of income. Um, and, but it was like they were get, exchanging their time for money. So I didn't really see them as much because they were working so much. Um, and so in order to understand financial freedom, it's like what Robert Kiyosaki says in his book, which was the pivoting moment for me um, how can you make your assets pay for your liabilities? So if I could teach and empower my children that you don't have to just rely on your, just your one job or work multiple jobs in order to be financially free. How can you work a job and take your, your, your hard-earned money and create it in, and put it into an asset that will give you um, uh, dividends and help you pay for your liabilities. So I think that was a mindset shift for me. Um, I, you know, it was ingrained in me to do that, to work two jobs. And I did, and my husband did. Um, and so, because that's what I was taught, but it's my, uh, my why to be able to teach my children that uh, you don't necessarily have to give up your time for money. You can work for money and let it work for you. And so um, that's my why is to help them and to help generations to come to recognize that this is another way you can pay for your liabilities and not have to work multiple jobs to do that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I mean, I agree 100%. I mean, that's, that's a, a big part of it for me too, is, you know, te teaching my kids. It's just stuff that we don't learn. It's just, stuff, you know, this isn't in schools. This isn't, it's not even you have to specifically seek it out in your education if you want to get anything maybe in college you can take classes but it's it's really just not out there to teach young people how to use these strategies to their advantage and it's like you're like you were saying like you you grew up sort of your your parents taught you they instilled with you instilled in you uh a great work ethic uh i did the same you know it was like it was like oh, I, I need a little more money okay, I'll work more jobs. Like it was kind of, that was always the way it's like, I, I need to pay for this thing. I'll get another job. I'll do something on the side, whatever it is. And really what I think the, the way to teach kids is like, figure out a way to make your money work those jobs. Mm -hmm. Like you don't, don't have it be you, <laughs> have it be your money. You're, you're going to have to work some, right? Unless you're handed a giant pile of money, like it's, you're going to have to work some, but figure out a way to make your money continue to do those other jobs to create passive income. And, and so it's kind of like, and, and I always talk about this, you know, sort of power of time that 
children and, and young people have that doesn't, it sort of goes wasted if you don't know. Right, that's right. right? And it's like, if, if I knew, I, I don't know, like people, you don't, you do dumb things when you're young, but, but in theory, like if you know, okay, if I do things the right way from 20 to 30, mm-hmm. that's it. I'll, you'll be good after that. You'll be, you could literally be set for life at that point if you do smart things, you know, for right. five or 10 years when you're young, because just the power of compounding over time is, is incredibly powerful. So yeah, I, I this is something that I, I love that answer because it's something that I sort of think about all the time. And it's like, I, I'm sure probably my kids are going to get, in, once they're old enough for me to start really talking about it, they're going to get annoyed, but I'm going to be like, you need to figure this out now because I figured it out way too late in life. So no, that that's that's great. And uh, I think will be super empowering to, to your children and you know any other young people that can be impacted. Oh, for sure. And it's never too late, ever. Right, right. Yeah, that, that's not to say like, oh, if you're over a certain age, don't start. Right. Start, but it's, it's kind of like, what's that? Uh, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is now. That's right. with investing in real estate is, is just, I, I'm excited about the opportunities for young people, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to do it now, right? Like it's just, and it doesn't mean that I don't think other people my age should do it now. It's just a. It, it's it's you, what you feel. It's what you're feeling, right? right. Yeah. It's, what, it's like, well, I'm excited about it because I see that they can harness that power at an earlier age where, where I sometimes feel like I'm a little bit playing catch up. Mm-hmm. And so, it, and it's like, I say, life's good. I'm not, <laughs> I don't want anyone to think that I'm complaining about how our life is. I'm just saying like, in terms of having control over your time mm-hmm. and not trading time for money, if you start thinking about that early, it will be hugely impactful, you know, as you get a little bit older so that, you know, when you do have kids, you miss nothing. That's right. right. You missed That's right. That's a great point. Yes. You never have to say, oh, you know, mommy or daddy's got to work today. I can't come to your game or whatever. And it's like, like my, my kids are young and that's why, that's why I feel so strongly about it now and why I feel like I'm in a bit of catch up mode because I'm like, okay, my, my oldest is only two and a half, but like in another two or three years, he's going to be doing things like activities and I'm not missing them. That's like right. I am not, and, and I have worked a lot in life and missed a lot of other family things mm-hmm. that, you know, sort of regrettably, it, had I known better, maybe didn't have, maybe didn't have to be that way as, as frequent. So um, it, I just won't, I'm not going to let that cycle continue. And that's why I get passionate about it when I think about it in like children and, and, and young adults that it's like, just, you just have to make a few little tweaks and time's going to be your, your best friend. So yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm very excited about that and, and your answer. Uh, sorry, I'm it's okay, <laughs> yeah. with that, but um, all right. So ne- <laughs> moving on next question. Can you, can you tell us something about yourself that uh, isn't common knowledge, like uh, a hobby, you know, something, um, a special skill, any, anything that you would feel comfortable sharing? Um, yeah, I mean, I think something that people don't know about me. I mean, they know that I'm a teacher. They know that I, they're listening to this podcast. I like real estate. Um, 
back when I was in high school, I went to a trade and technical high school and at the high school, you were able to get your hair license. So I did, I, I think I got every license out there. I mean, I got, you know, so I, they said, it's free. You could get your license and okay, great. So I did, I got my, I got my hairdresser's license. So, um, so I have that as well. I don't practice, but I do have it and I keep it current yeah. just in case. That's funny. But I think I need a little practice. <laughs> yeah. That's good. I think yeah. at least, at least one, if not, I have a lot of um, teachers in my family, like, like uh, four of my aunts, I think are teachers. Some of them have moved up to the principal level and things like that. But also I'm pretty sure two or three of them used, uh, got their hairdresser license and, and used that as a, as like a side hustle, you know, cause obviously are, are underpaid. So it's, um, it's something <laughs> that's funny that the parallel there. Um, yeah. How can people, how can people reach out to you if they uh, hear your story here and they're interested and they want to chat? Um, what, what's the best way to, to touch base? Yeah, um, they can uh, reach me at, on our website, uh, Nivu, N-I-V-E-A-U partners.com. Um, on the website, they can um, actually sign up for a free um, due diligence on a limited partner questionnaire, due diligence on a sponsor with a limited partner questionnaire. Um, so that would, uh, they could, it, it helps them research a market, it helps them research uh, a sponsor. So um, there's some great information there for multifamily. Um, they can also find me, I'm on the different uh, social media threads. I'm on LinkedIn, Francesca Apostolou, or on Instagram, Nivu Properties. Okay, so, and we'll put all that in the show notes so people listening can, uh, can find you. So that'll be, I'm sure they'll be happy to connect. Um, final question, what, what piece of advice would you give to someone that's maybe uh, maybe just a few years behind you in their journey into real estate investing, you know, what, what would you tell someone, um, you know, after they hear your story as, as far as inspiration or advice or, or anything like that? Um, yeah, I really think it's important though, uh, to knowledge is power, right? And it's really important to educate yourself on different ways of investing in real estate. Um, so I think that is so important. And if you are looking to read a book about it, I mean, the first book that I ever read that changed my mind was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but there's other great books that, you know, like what I said about having financial freedom, there's an amazing book called The Honeybee that tells you about different multiple streams of income. And that's what will create financial freedom for you. So definitely educate yourself. Um, it becomes a mindset too. So, you know, it's a mindset books like, um, which one is it from TR, uh, what's his name? The Millionaire Mindset. That's another great book. So, I mean, just educate yourself. I mean, on, on multifamily, that could really um, get your juices flowing, but also get you into a place of wanting to learn more and giving you, um, yeah, the knowledge to do so and the knowledge to make good, good choices. Yeah. 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 Makes sense that a teacher would suggest educating education for uh, <laughs> getting started in real estate. I think that makes total sense. And I, and though all those books are great books. I think that, um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people point to rich dad, poor dad as that, you know, sort of pivotal book that they read and it kind of changes their thinking about everything. I, I, 
this is probably blasphemy to say it. I've read Rich Dad Poor Dad, and it wasn't the one that like I, I thought it was a great book, mm-hmm. and and I need I want to go back and read it again because you know everybody talks. But I there's been some others to me that were just uh, maybe a little. I think I like the technical ones maybe a little bit better, but um, like in the Rich Dad Poor Dad's series, Cashflow Quadrant, I think is a good one for people. Like one. Reading those two together mm-hmm. um, is is a really, I think, putting them together. Probably to me, that's probably what what hits me more is like, okay, Rich Dad Poor Dad. You're like, okay, good. This this <laughs> the the Poor Dad isn't doing things right. The Rich Dad is doing things right, but like, how do I then put that into practice? And I feel like cash flow quadrant yes and other books like break that down for you so i think um it's it, all of them are are good there's there's like you said there's lots of mindset books there's you know mm-hmm. so, so many the point is the education is out there and easy to access right there's there's the books there's podcasts there's uh bigger pockets website there's your website i mean there's just like there's so much out there that if if once you start looking it's very easy to sort of go down that rabbit hole and find probably an overwhelming amount of information, but then, you know, start reaching out to people and, and seeing what, you know, what you can learn from them. So. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Re- uh, really great. I, I, I think um, everything you said is, is spot on. And like I said, I feel like we sort of have parallel, <laughs> parallel lives a little bit. Um, so, so really cool. Francesca, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, it was great. And I, I appreciate Uh, your time and and sort of all of your insight that you've shared today. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you having me. All right, everyone, we will say goodbye. Have a good day.